Welcome to Search the Scriptures. It's great to be with you again today. What a blessing to be able to come together on a daily basis and open up God's Word and study from all of those rich teachings, those truths that God has communicated to us from the throne room of heaven, really, in a very real sense, sharing with us the mind of God. And uh, my, my, there's so many teachings there that are for our encouragement, our instruction, our guidance, our hope. They're giving us promise. And at the same time, there are some teachings that warn us and correct us and even rebuke us when that's necessary. But all of them are there, as I said, from God's mind to guide us in the best possible life that a human being can live with the greatest hope and the most far-reaching promise. We hope that as you study with us each day in this program, that you're coming closer and closer to the mind of God as you are learning better and better what his word teaches. And as you do that, our prayer for you, and we really do care for you and we really do pray for you diligently, our prayer for you is that you will get to the point where you will be able to make that right decision as to following God his way. Back here today with Dennis Stackhouse, Dwayne Kennedy. Good to be with you, brothers. Dwayne. Thank you, Gary. It's good to be on the program with you and with those who are listening to us today. Glad you could be with us again. Encourage you to continue to study with us and uh, read your Bible. It is all the things, in fact, that Gary said. It's a great book. It is our salvation, or at least our salvation is contained in it. Continue to study it, and your life will be greatly improved in the ways that you need it the most. It's good to be on the program with Dennis Stackhouse as well. Thank you, Duane and Gary. It's really a delight for me to be with you both on the program again today. And I certainly want to express my welcome to those who are listening. We're glad you've tuned in to Search the Scriptures. And we do hope, as we so often say, that as you listen to these programs, these will actually serve as an encouragement to you They'll be a blessing in your life, and they will allow you to more correctly understand God's Word. You know, so many people believe that the Bible is too difficult for them to understand, so they really don't make any effort to dig in and to study. But in truth, the Bible is easy to understand. Yes. There's so much there that's laid out for us in a way that's simple and straightforward and we really shouldn't struggle with it at all. We hope that through these programs that you're coming to that understanding, that God's word is understandable, and that it is the most important venture that we can embark upon in this life, coming to an understanding of it, and then directing our lives according to its teachings. Amen to that, brother. And you know, just clear cut, isn't it? It really yes. is. Basically. Now, it's not saying there are not some texts that are mm-hmm. challenging to mm-hmm. understand. There are. But when we take the Bible as a whole, it is basically easy to understand. Yes. If we go about it in a normal fashion, mm-hmm. now some people might feel like, I can't understand it. Well, how do you go about reading it? Well, I just open it up and start reading. Mm-hmm. Where at? Well, I, wherever it opens. Well, that's going to be a problem. If you opened up any book and started reading like that, you're going to have some problems Mm -hmm. comprehending. But if you look at it in a clear-cut, methodical fashion, take that approach to studying it, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's pretty easy to understand. Yes, it is. 
We're talking about scripture in this particular section of study. We are talking about some verses to live by. Now this is one of those kinds of study where we're not looking at a particular theme, but we're looking at a general concept or principle, that, and that is, in this case, the Bible is there for our learning yes. and for our betterment. And so we're looking at just a number of scriptures that we find throughout both the Old Testament and New Testament that are really kind of highlights. We can pick up on these particular points and say, you know, that's a principle that is valid for my life. Not only valid, but crucial. That's right. Of course, God gave us his word, as we indicated earlier, from his mind. Yes. It is not just somebody's word or some word, it is God's word. Second mm-hmm. Timothy chapter 3 verses 15 through 17 tell us that it is given by inspiration of God. Mm-hmm. That's right. And as we talked about in introducing this, pro- uh, this, this study in our last program, Dwayne I believe brought out that the original language in that particular verse says that it is God breathed. The sense being that it is coming from God's very mouth. And so understanding that, then we're not talking about some writing in a common, from a common perspective. We're talking about inspired scripture, divinely guided scripture, so that we can read it and have confidence in its accuracy and its truthfulness. Mm Mm-hmm. We looked at the first excerpt, if you would, the first particular point that we wanted to emphasize in our last program, and that was Numbers chapter 32 and verse 23. And here Moses was warning two of the tribes of Israel that if they did not follow through on a particular position that they were pledging themselves to, that their sins would find them out. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, it was true in that specific case, but the principle is true in everybody's life in every generation, isn't it? really is. If we play with sin, if we dabble in sin, it's going to find us out. It is. If we don't repent of it, if we don't seek God's proper forgiveness for it, it's going to find us out. And we use the illustrations of children who often think they're hiding things from mom and dad that they're not supposed to be doing, but they get found out. Mm -hmm. And we talked about other relationships, husbands and wives who may be involved in some kind of illicit affair with somebody else, and they think they're hiding it. They're trying their best to keep it secret, but ultimately it gets found out. And that the consequences can be severe in those cases. Somebody who thinks they're hiding their drug problem or their alcohol problem, or they've got a problem lying, but they think they're covering it up pretty good with other lies. Those things get found out, Mm -hmm. and we pay the consequences for them. So be sure your sins will find you out. Don't think you can live in sin without ultimately suffering the consequences of that sin. Your sins will find you out. Now let's look at another particular point, principle, and that is Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. Dwayne, how about reading that for us? Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, 
and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Boy, Joshua was calling the people of Israel to a commitment here, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. Yes. Make up your mind. Choose this day whom you will serve. Mm -hmm. Every one of us has to come to that point in our lives, don't we? We really do. We can't just go on living life without making a commitment to God and to Christ. In fact, in another section of study in previous programs, we've tried to emphasize this point that when somebody thinks, well, I'm not going to make a commitment yet, or I'm not ready to make a commitment, uh, they're making a commitment. They're committing to not follow God, to not obey Him, to not obey their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When it comes to our spiritual lives, there's no such thing as Mm non-commitment. If we don't commit to follow God in obedience and faithfulness, then we are committing ourselves to not follow God in obedience and faithfulness. That's right. That is right, Gary. And, uh, you know, our Lord himself made that very clear in Matthew 12, verse 30. He said, he who is not with me, in other words, he who doesn't make that commitment to follow me is against me. Yes. That's very right. clear cut, as we said earlier on in the introduction. It's very plain. It's unmistakable. We are either for Jesus, in other words, we've committed ourselves and dedicated our lives to follow him, or we're against him, and there is no other alternative. It's interesting, the context in which Joshua calls the people of Israel here to make a commitment. They have been delivered from Egyptian bondage some 40-something years before this. Mm -hmm approximately, probably 41, 42, something. You know, and then they have wandered around in the wilderness for a period of about 40 years. Mm -hmm. So that would be the largest part of that 42, 43-year period or so. And now they have gone through the battles of conquest in the land of Canaan, which God promised to give them. That was the promised land. That would become the nation of Israel. They've gone through those battles. They have defeated the enemies. They have put those who remained in the land under subjection, or at least they have uh, put them in a position where, you know, we're the, the stronger force. You're going to not cause us any problems, or we'll come back and we'll squash you too, you know. But they allowed them to live. Now, that was really a mistake because God told them to either destroy the people or, or drive them out. Mm-hmm. But they left a small number of those nations in place, and they would prove later to be a problem for Mm -hmm. the nation of Israel, as God warned that they would. But here, they have seen God's power. They have seen his deliverance. He has given them victory after victory after victory. And after all of that, after going through the wilderness wandering, after being delivered from Egypt, after going through these battles of conquest of the promised land, Now Joshua still calls them to make this commitment. Mm -hmm. Choose this day whom you will serve. 
Now that's very interesting, to me at least, that after all of that, he's still calling on them to make this commitment. Mm -hmm. They had to make up their mind. Now, if they, at that point, after seeing all that God had done for them, feeding them miraculously through the manna and the, and the quails for 40 years in the wilderness, giving them water to drink whenever they needed it, uh, providing for them in such a way that their clothes never wore out, their shoes never wore out. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? It is. And they still were called to make the commitment. You would think mm -hmm. they'd have made that long ago. Yeah, you really would, Gary. And uh, this is so typical of human nature. You know, we see this same scenario repeated over and over and over again throughout the Old Testament with the nation of Israel. Uh, God delivers them from an enemy. God does miracles to deliver them from the land of Egypt. God provides food as they're wandering in the wilderness. And still, it seems like they never quite got it yeah. in terms of making that solid commitment to God. Yeah. It's interesting also that in verse 14, Joshua says, in calling them to make this commitment, he says, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Yes. They were still dabbling with idols. Mm -hmm. Now, that, that, again, that's amazing to me. He comes back and makes that same charge or at least makes that saying gives them that same instruction later in the chapter when he comes down to uh, verse 20 uh, let's see verse verse 23 now therefore he said put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel now that indicates that they still had idols in their households mm-hmm now, again, that's amazing to me. At this point in their history, they still were dabbling in idolatry. Their worship, their service was divided. Yes, it was. And they had a tendency to forget God. Now, since that was the case, and it seems from the text that that clearly must have been the case, it's appropriate for Joshua to say, choose this day whom you will serve. Yes. Mm -hmm. Make up your mind. And this is similar, you know, of course, to what we saw Elijah call the nation of Israel to do hundreds of years later in 1 Kings chapter 18. Now there, Elijah calls the nation together at Mount Carmel. Mm -hmm. They've gone through a period of uh, tremendous drought and famine, haven't they, Dennis? Yeah, and uh, James actually tells us it was a three and a half year period with no rain. No rain. Mm -hmm. And if there's no rain, crops can't grow. No, they don't. So you're going to get a minimal, very minimal produce from the land mm -hmm. at best. Mm -hmm. And probably lots of the, your livestock are going to die. Mm -hmm. Rivers and creeks are going to dry up. Now you still may be able to get some drinking water from wells that are dug deep. But a lot of the surface water, it's going to be gone certainly is. And as a result of uh, that water being at such a scarcity, then you don't, you don't have water to water the crops. Exactly. Right? Uh, to feed the livestock, to right. water them. Mm -hmm. And so you've, you've got 
livestock dying, mm -hmm. you've got crops withering. It's, it's a terrible situation. There's the famine that mm -hmm. naturally results from a drought. That's right. Of prolonged, you know, a uh, prolonged period of time. Mm -hmm. So after this three and a half years or so, Elijah appears back in the scene mm -hmm. and he calls the nation together. Now he's stepping forward, not a great deal of faith here. Of course, he's believing in God. He's got that faith in God, but he's before the king of Israel mm -hmm. who doesn't like Elijah. Well, he really doesn't, Gary. That's right. I, that's maybe an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when uh, Elijah is first introduced to us in the scriptures in the 17th chapter of 1 Kings, God tells him to go into the presence of Ahab, who was king over Israel at that point, and declare to him that a drought was coming. Yes. And Elijah does just that. He goes into the palace before the king and he tells him, in essence, it's not going to rain until God says it's going to rain. And he leaves it at that, open-ended. Now, you know, uh, we can go back into the book of Genesis with the account of Joseph. He interprets a dream for Pharaoh, we remember, at one point. And God, through that dream, interprets for Pharaoh that there are going to be seven years of plenty within the land of Egypt followed by seven years of drought and famine. And that drought is going to be so severe, the people won't even remember the abundance that they had the seven years previously. But that had some parameters on it. You know, there was a definite time frame given. You've got seven years to get ready, and then you're going to have seven years when there's going to be a tremendous lack in the land if you don't make the right, the right preparations. But of course, we know Joseph did. In this case with Elijah, there's no end specified to the drought. Right? And there's no beginning buffer period to get ready either. No, no that's exactly right. Here it is, Ahab, boom. <laughs> yep. And so then God sends Elijah back after three and a half years or so. Mm -hmm. And uh, now the, the confrontation takes place. Mm -hmm. And you've got Elijah calling the people together. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting what he calls them to do here in verse 21 of 1 Kings chapter 18. What does that say, Dwayne? And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Now, how could we put that today? In fact, how would we probably put that today in our uh, more contemporary language. How long do you falter between two opinions? How long will you stay on the fence? Yeah. How long are you going to sit on the fence? Mm -hmm. Time to make a decision. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Make up your mind. Mm -hmm. Any of those expressions, you know, would get the point across. That's what he's telling the Israelites. Yes. It's time for you to get off the fence here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If God is God, serve him. If Baal, this idol, is God, serve him. But make up your mind. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, the response of the people. Yes. They did not answer a word. Mm -hmm. They were going to make no commitment at that particular point. Mm -hmm. Well, they made a commitment. <laughs> yeah. I think this is one of those situations where we would say, 
the silence is deafening. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. You know, you get the impression, the feeling that, at least I do, that they probably figured, okay, something's up here. Let's see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait and we'll choose the winning side, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, boy, what a, what a position of cowardice that is. But how typical. Yes, it is, of humanity. How typical we see it in our world today. We need to understand this same principle today. Make up your mind. Are you going to follow God, or are you just going to talk about following God? Mm -hmm. Right. Are you going to be his, or are you just going to offer sweet-sounding platitudes? Make up your mind. Get off the fence. Serve God. Or don't serve God, but don't talk about serving him when you're not serving him and Mm -hmm. when you're not going to make up your mind. Mm -hmm. You know, when John wrote the letters, the seven letters to the seven churches, there was one particular congregation that he spoke to along this same line of principle. And he, he told them, you know, you're neither hot nor you're cold. And, and, and the words really were coming from the Lord. I wish you were either hot or cold. And because you're neither hot nor cold, but you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, that's the same principle mm-hmm. that, that Elijah is trying to get across to the Israelites here. Make up your mind. Mm-hmm. And that's basically the same principle that Joshua is trying to get across to the people of Israel in Joshua chapter 24. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. Mm-hmm. Well, there are a whole lot of people out there today, very possibly, maybe probably, a number who are listening to this program right now who are in this, trying at least to tread this middle ground, this land of spiritual no man's land. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not ready to make up my mind yet. Yeah, you've made up your mind. You've made a commitment to not obey God. Make up your mind. If you're talking about obeying him, if you're talking about how much you love Jesus, make up your mind and obey and follow them for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. We'd love to send you that free Bible study, and it'll help you learn right from Scripture what you need to do to make your commitment to God, to make up your mind, to follow him his way. We hope that you'll contact us. It's free. We'll take care of the postage All you have to do is ask for it. Why not contact us right now?